hope, the word story, and then last week the word family as we focused on the character of our Father, a Father who is holy, a Father who calls us to holiness. And all those words are nouns, and today we focus on a verb, and the word is grow. The word is grow. And so if you're able, I'd invite you to stand this morning for the reading of God's word. First Peter chapter 2 just going to look at four verses this morning briefly. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 2, where we left off last week and reading down through verse 5. Listen as I read. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And go ahead and be seated. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. From bikes to trains to video games, it's the biggest toy store there is. I don't want to grow up, because maybe if I did, I wouldn't be a Toys R Us kid. Thank you. The power of commercials in the lives of children. I just illustrated it for you there. If you're a child of the 80s like I am, you likely remember that ditty. What a sad day it was when Toys R Us over here in Alderwood closed its doors because I was a Toys R Us kid and I didn't want to grow up. There's truth in that phrase, isn't it? Isn't there? There's a part of us that doesn't ever want to grow up. Haven't you thought back to those times when you were a kid, dependent, blissfully ignorant of so many things, not so stressed out as 21 Pilots has waxed eloquently, wish we could turn back time to the good old days when mama used to sing us to sleep and we weren't so stressed out. Sure, growing up has its perks, but growing up is, is hard. Growing up means discipline. Growing up means responsibility. Growing up means hard work. And this morning we're faced with this question. Are we growing up? Are we growing up? Not physically, not intellectually, But are we growing in grace and in our knowledge of Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you know him better than you did 
two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. Not just do you know more about Him, but do you know Him more? And has He changed you? If so, how have you changed? Two truths guide us this morning in just these four verses. I want to spend the vast majority on the first truth, and it's simply this. Growing up is a part of life. Growing up is a part of life, and you say, duh, right, Nate, I know that, and yet the growing up that Peter calls us to isn't the kind of growing up that just happens. Growing up in a life of faith is growing up that is intentional. You need to grow up, Nathan. That's what my mom used to say to me quite a few times when I was a young boy. As Peter writes to the church this morning, he essentially says the the same thing. He encourages us with something profound and foundational, something about our salvation in Jesus. And we would say, yes, while the work of Jesus was certainly accomplished in history, while our justification is an act of God where, where we who are in Christ are declared righteous in Him, Our salvation is not merely a past event. Peter speaks of the word salvation here in the same way that he speaks of it in verse 5 of chapter 1 where he says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, there's a fullness of salvation that God has for his children. This inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, and undefiled. And God wants us to grow towards that. He wants to prepare you for that. And he's not just going to leave you alone in this, but he's going to build you to that end. And so in this sense, from this angle, we could say that our salvation is more a journey than a mere arrival. Young parents, you know the moments of sadness that come as your youngest grow up and they begin to outgrow some of those baby things that they did, and especially if it's your last, you you say, stop, stop growing up. I don't want you to change anymore. I just want you to stay the way that you are. God's not like that. He is not the mother showing baby pics of us in happier or simpler times. No, he wants to show the graduation shots, the results of growth and and maturity. And the idea of maturing in the Bible is not foreign. John speaks of it in 1 John chapter 2. He says this, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake and because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to young men because you have overcome the evil one and because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. See, John is not so much addressing specific age groups as he is addressing seasons of spiritual maturity in that passage. 
He speaks to children characterized by their recent knowledge of who Jesus is, and and they're on fire. It's fresh. It's exciting. And he speaks to young men and and women, those in the thick of battle, waging war with the enemy, where, where we would find most of ourselves probably this morning. And he speaks to fathers and mothers, seasoned veterans who have come to really know the Father. Theirs is a, is a ripe, mature knowledge. The point is, John's point and Peter's point is that the Christian life is an upward trajectory, not a flat line. And that there's a difference between being childlike and childish. Our faith is always to be childlike, but it needs to outgrow being childish. And so Peter gives us here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he gives us this picture of newborns longing for milk. Newborns who will become adolescents, who will become adults, constantly maturing and growing. Peter is not using this this newborn imagery to say that the believers he's writing to are brand new Christians or baby Christians, or that you are brand new Christians or baby Christians. That indeed may be the case, but his point is more broadly to be received. We are all newborns in the fact that we all ought to be longing and craving milk, striving to grow up. What about his use of the, the term milk here? Because we hear that in other places. Paul uses it in Corinthians and in Hebrews as he criticizes the church for not moving past milk to food that is substantive, to food that is meaty. And Peter is not using milk here in that way. He's using it in the imagery of a newborn in the vital thing that it is to a newborn. And he says you need to be feeding your souls. Growing up is a way of life. Milk to the newborn, as one commentator put it, is not a fringe benefit. It's absolutely necessary. And so what is that milk for us? The milk is the word. The milk is the promises of Scripture. The word of of life that has given life to our souls. It's the gospel. The good news of what Jesus has done. It's telling the story over and over again. It's reminding ourselves and one another that we are in Him, that our lives are in Christ. And in that way, the Word of God sustains our life. Notice Peter puts another descriptor on the milk. It's not only spiritual milk, it's pure spiritual 
milk. This is a technical term that he uses here. It's used in other literature, ancient literature, by merchants who wanted consumers to know that their product was free from any additives or watered down in any way. A common practice in the first century to water down wine, for instance, so it would go farther at the market. As we apply pure spiritual milk to the Word of God and we bring it in our context, we get a picture of nourishment that is It's not to be tampered with. It's not chocked full of other things, not watered down, not given some sweetener to make it easier to swallow, just the pure spiritual milk of the Word of God, the promises of Scripture. God is growing you. God is growing me through the consumption of his word. But Peter actually calls for something greater than that. He calls us in verse 2 to long for this. Long for the pure spiritual milk. Long for it. We've all heard the words of Psalm 42. We've taken them upon our lips as a deer pants for flowing streams. So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. And and yet we say those words sometimes and in our hearts we don't feel that. And so as Peter says, long for the pure spiritual milk, how does he tell us how to do that? You've got to truly taste the goodness of God. That's what he says. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter's language here echoes David's in Psalm 34, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we have been given a peace, a hope, a joy, a past, a present, a future. We have a God who wants to know us, who wants to walk with us, who wants to have fellowship with us, who wants to be our friend. God calls you to long to long for him, to long for the word. And he gives you the fuel to stoke that fire. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress author, familiar name to many of us, wrote a little poem. Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. You see, the wings of longing for us, brothers and sisters, are the gospel promises that are ours through Jesus. I think many of us in the church are in one of of two categories. First, frankly, some of us are just lazy and apathetic about our growth in grace. Due to the lack of a deep and lasting digestion of who you are and of what you've received in Jesus, you come to church 
Each Sunday, you stay out of trouble the rest of the week, and you stay comfortably in your routine of life. You're intentional about your work. You're intentional about other interests. But your pursuit of God just kind of falls where it may, falls into place. Maybe that added to this, some of you harbor sin as well. You like the immaturity of your old way of life, and Peter's original hearers, of course, struggled with that. And then there are others of us who want to long. We want to long, but we conclude it's just, it's just so hard. It's not possible. It's not who I am. I'll never be a David. I'll never be a John Bunyan or a Jonathan Edwards or any of those other Johns. I'm not the theological type. There's one remedy for both types, for those who don't want to long, for those who don't think that they can long. It's the goodness of the gospel. That's what verse 3 says. And to develop a taste for something, a craving for something, you've got to consume enough of it. You've got to put yourself in its way. You've got to read it, digest it, study it. I love the imagery that Jeremiah gives us in Jeremiah 15. Your words were found and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. Tim Keller, PCA pastor, has a great way of putting this digestion of God's word. I want to read it to you. He says, the way of nourishment means you have to believe the Bible. That means you have to at least trust it enough that you're willing to really take it in. The first step, cutting it up, is like studying it, interpreting it, understanding it so you can take it in, but that's not enough. You have to taste it. You have to turn it over on the palate of your heart. You have to let it melt your heart. You have to let the truth you're looking at lead you to pray. Do you do that? Then you have to apply it. You have to digest it. You have to make it part of the deep structures of your psyche and of your life. How I want us to be a church that longs to grow. I think we are in many ways strong in this. but I want us to long all the more to know how to grow. A longing and an expertise that rises above an expertise in the latest sitcoms or sports scores, but is able to really plumb the depths of God and who he has revealed himself to be. A church that has so tasted the sweetness of the gospel that we want to seize every opportunity privately in our families, within this covenant family, to grow and to be built up. Growing up is a fact of life. Growing up spiritually is a fact of spiritual life. And it's a necessity that God calls us to again this morning. One final thing I want to focus on, and we'll spend more time on this next week, so I just want to dip our toe in this 
last verse before building on it next week. The second truth is this, God is building us alongside one another. Peter's not just telling the church, grow, long for pure spiritual, but go, go do this, go, go to your homes and get this done. But no, he reminds us that this is done in part in community, in our life together. That yes, there is a personal relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship with Jesus that is necessary, but the evangelical church is often, the modern evangelical church is often overemphasized that personal nature of our relationship and downplayed the covenantal, communal nature of God building us up together. We are not simply called just to be built up individually, but being built up together to live lives of one anothering, to live lives of spiritual sacrifice, to be a picture of God's dwelling with man, to be, maybe you've heard this before, to be a community of worshiping, maturing, and multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father by the power of His Spirit and in the hope of God's kingdom. That's who we are. That's who we're called to be. And this morning, this passage focuses in on that one word, maturing disciples built up not just as individual people, but into a people. Brothers and sisters, do you want to grow? Do you want to mature and be built up for God's good pleasure? I hope so. And I hope that this year, or excuse me, this time next year, we will be different. You will be different, qualitatively different than you are today as you grow in the gospel, as you grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this simple admonition from your word. We confess that so easily we can be okay with the status quo. We can be stagnant and indeed some in this room are feeling that way. Some are feeling spiritually dry. Father, I pray that you would open the floodgates, the floodgates of the gospel and of your promises, whether it be through this word, whether it be through a song that we've sung, whether it be through an interaction with a brother or sister here this morning, that you would saturate us with the work of God for us in Jesus Christ, so much for that we would indeed long for the pure spiritual word that by it and through it we would be built up, that we would grow up into a spiritual house for your glory and for your honor. Holy Spirit, have your way with us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to continue to worship the Lord this morning through the giving of your
tithes and offerings, Philippians 4. Paul reminds the church, your gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And as you let go of those things in which you find security, hear this, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's give to the Lord together as the ushers come forward.